We know the New York Islanders need to improve the team. We also know they have limited cap space. So if they had to prioritize one position, what should it be and why? We answer that question today on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Sartre tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts so that you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. And we are also now available on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just do a search for Locked on Islanders. Lots to discuss on today's show, but first, if there's something Islanders related on your mind, if you have a question, a comment, maybe a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode Feel free to send us an email. The email address, as always, is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your first name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the show when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news notes and happenings throughout this important offseason from hirings, firings, trade rumors, free agency, and the draft. We'll have it all here covered for you on Locked on Islanders. So I wanted to talk today about the dilemma that the New York Islanders kind of have right now. And that is that And every day, as you know, we've talked about this on the show. The Islanders don't have a lot of cap space. And we also know they want to make this team younger, faster, and more skilled. Because, and we've talked about this, and it's important, this roster has a lot of players, especially forwards who are over 30, who are starting on the downside of their career and who you really will start to expect diminishing returns over the next few years rather than players who are still rising. There are a few on the team that still have not yet reached their full potential, but for the most part, your forwards are guys who are on the other side of 30 and who, you know, are slowing down. So, We've heard about the Islanders' need to add offense and the Islanders' need to add that elusive puck-moving defenseman. And since they 
traded away Devon Taves and then Nick Letty. Really haven't had that puck-moving defenseman to help the team. And if you only could prioritize one of those two things, which one would you prioritize? And I've been thinking about this. And I'm going to put it open to you. In fact, we're going to do the poll uh, on our YouTube page. So please look for it there as to whether you would prioritize the sniper or the puck-moving defenseman. And at first glance, I, I think the the quick answer with, before you think it through would be the sniper. Let's get that guy who can put the puck in the net the Islanders were 22nd in the league in goals scored, 30th in the league on the power play. This is the area where you're deficient. You were 5th in the league in goals against. You've got one of the best goalies, a Vezina finalist in Ilya Sorokin. Uh, this year you had a solid backup in Semyon Varlamov, who the Islanders would like to bring back if the price is right. Uh, so... You know, defense, goaltending, you've got that. Go for the offense and get that sniper. But it's really not that simple when you look at the big picture. Barring an amazing juggling act by Lou Lamorello, and I'm not anticipating or holding my breath that we're going to see Lou Lamorello suddenly become this amazing guy who is going to juggle all of the different uh, needs, you know, and, and clear up a whole lot of cap space for this team. I, I, I don't really see that happening right now. But here's the thing. If you can only make one move, if you can only fix either the power play, uh, I, I mean, get the, the sniper or the puck-moving defenseman, I think... This offseason, it probably makes more sense to get the puck-moving defenseman, and I'll explain why. The Islanders brought in a player last year at the trade deadline who is supposed to fill that goal-scoring need, and obviously I'm talking about Bo Horvat. And... Yeah, I, I understand Bo Horvat is not going to uh, match his production with the Vancouver Canucks, most likely. Very few players on the New York Islanders, because of the system the Islanders play, the exacting positional defense-first system, very few players actually increase their statistics when they join the New York Islanders. So, okay. But Bo Horvat, while he had, what, 37, I think it was, combined goals this year between Vancouver and Long Island, if he can get you to between 25 and 30 this year over a full season, that helps the offense. If Matthew Barzal stays healthy, for 75-plus games. That helps the offense. If Oliver Wallstrom is able to finally even hit 
20 to 25 goals this year and have that breakthrough season where he really establishes himself as a bonafide, every game, top six NHL player who has the ability to score, that improves your offense. There are ways to improve from within, and that doesn't even include Ruslan Iskakov possibly making the team, William Dufour possibly making the team, although Dufour probably another year away. Uh, you know, there are some younger forward prospects in the organization who give you reasons for hope a year or two down the line, or maybe, maybe even this season. And I'll throw in another aspect to this equation. The sniper, the the real 35-40 goal scorer, they cost more. And you can probably get a quality puck-moving defenseman, someone who will really help this team for between 4 and $5 million, where that 30, 35, 40 goal guy, seven, eight, eight and a half million, maybe even more, depending on who you're getting, it's tougher to make that acquisition. Then you look at the depth the Islanders have, both at forward and on defense. We're going to discuss that a little bit more after this break. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Athletic Greens, a product I usually, I literally use every day, AG1. Maybe you're like me, you want to be healthy and eat well, but it's easier said than done. Well, with AG1, you just put one scoop in a glass of water each day and you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogen to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all these things. And it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, but it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. So it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and Five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So we look at the depth chart. And obviously there's still some variables out there. Will the Islanders re-sign Pierre Engvall? We don't know. Will the Islanders bring Zach Parise back, or will Parise retire? We still don't know. And if Parise does retire, you're losing a 21-goal guy. Um, those are sort of the unknowns among the forwards, but the defense, there was always a problem on defense with depth and a problem with puck moving defensemen or a lack thereof because the only two players on the roster who were real not even elite but who could skate with the puck and move the puck were Noah Dobson and Sebastian Ajo and both of them 
were liabilities in their own zone at one time or another over the season. And Dobson, as we discussed every day on yesterday's show, regressed last year, coughed up the puck in his own zone, wasn't uh, doing a good job of quarterbacking the power play, just was a defensive liability. And Ajo, because of his limited size, sort of, you know, will only be, and he worked hard. I like Sebastian Ajo, but I think he's better fit to be a seventh defenseman because of his limited size. He is vulnerable defensively, and it leaves everything up in the air. Add to the mix the fact that Scott Mayfield probably will get more money if he signs elsewhere. Now, that doesn't mean he won't re-sign with the Islanders, but it does mean that it becomes a situation where, yeah, if he's not back, what do you do? Because the players that you have on the roster right now, I don't know how much help they really are. What is the long-term NHL value of Parker Wotherspoon and Robin Sallow and Samuel Bolduke? Bolduke looked pretty good most of the time over 17 games, but in the first two playoff games, he really wasn't ready for that next level. And again, he has to prove he can be an everyday NHLer. I think Robin Sallow is more or less no longer considered a real prospect and is probably going to be that career AHL player who fills in occasionally when injuries strike because, let's face it, uh, Parker Wotherspoon passed him on the death chart. Sebastian Ajo passed him on the death chart. And, you know, it, it just seems like Suddenly, Robin Sallow, even Dennis Chalowski passed him on the depth chart. It just doesn't seem like Sallow is in the team's plans anymore at this point. You know, he played, what, the first three or four games of the year and then only played seven games the rest of the season because he was basically either sent back to the AHL so he could play or was a black ace sitting in the press box that stunts his growth as a player. So the depth isn't there. I'm not sure at this point that any of those players I mentioned are ready to be the puck-moving defenseman that gets you that extra, you know, extra ability to transition. And here's, again, another reason why I think the puck-moving defenseman should be the priority. Assuming the Islanders re-sign Ilya Sorokin to an extension, and assuming Lou Lamorello stays as GM for at least another year, the Islanders, if they keep Lane Lambert, this is the system they are more or less going to play. And their strength remains defense and goaltending. In order to win those games, 3-2, 2-1, the big obstacle that really hurt the Islanders so often this year was turning the puck over in their own zone or very often just not being able to clear the puck out of their own zone. Islander fans, 
everydayers. How many times did you hear me over the course of the season say, hey, what's happening? What, why did we spend, you know, five minutes in our own zone? Well, four and a half out of five minutes, we couldn't clear the puck. When you start spending multiple minutes in your own zone and it looks like a power play, but it's not, that's a problem. And to get that puck-moving defenseman this offseason who would cost you less money and would solve the big problem that allows you to play the style you want to play better, I think it makes more sense if you could only fix one problem I would lean that way. Get me that puck-moving defenseman, somebody who can skate, somebody who is good at that transition game where you transition from defense to offense. Don't spend extend as many extended periods of time backed up in your own zone and unable to clear the puck. And then when you throw in the little caveat that we know Lane Lambert prefers that his defenseman, when possible, can pinch or join the rush. You get someone who can skate, someone who can pass, someone who can get the puck to your Matthew Barzals and your your Brock Nelsons and, and your you know Pierre Engvall if he's there, and, and, and certainly to your uh, Kyle Palmieri's. When you get those guys who can transition from defense to offense your defense becomes better your offense maybe becomes just a slight bit better but you know what you go from fifth to third let's say in goals against and from 22nd to to 17th in goals scored you're probably no longer and 30 let's say you go from 30th to 21st or 20th on the power play and that puck-moving, skating defenseman can help you there, too, you all of a sudden are no longer the wild card. You are more of a of an established playoff team. And, you know, if Lou Lamorello is going to run it back, for the most part, with the core of this team one more year, and I'm not saying that's what he should do, but I am saying that's probably what he will do, then the puck-moving defenseman makes more sense, and it allows you to be free to make another move next year at the trade deadline to get that sniper for the last 15, 20 games of the season, which will cost you less. It could even be a rental player, and you could solve that problem just in time for the playoff run when you need to have that extra gear, when you need to get hot, and look, Lou Lamarillo brought in Bo Horvat earlier than the trade deadline. About, you know, a little more than a month before the trade deadline, you could do something like that. Still only have, you know, half the cap hit, two-thirds of the cap hit, rather than the whole cap hit for that player, and improve your offense when it matters most. So for those reasons, I would prioritize the puck-moving defenseman over the forward the sniper, they need both. I'm not kidding myself, but if they can only do one this offseason because of the cap mess that this team is in, I'd go for the puck-moving defenseman first and then try to add the sniper at midseason from, you know, the sometime between 
uh, January 1st and the trade deadline. That's my take. Check out our YouTube page. Love to hear what you think about it and what you would prioritize. And feel free to comment and tell us why. We have got more to get to. We continue our player-by-player look at this Islanders team with Matthew Barzal. Did Barzi meet expectations? What can we expect from him next season? All that and more still to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. So, Matthew Barzal is our focus today. And you look at the season that Barzi had. It was not a bad season. He had 14 goals, 51 points in 58 games. If you extend that out to a 82-game season, he was on pace for 20 goals and 52 points. That's 72 points in 82 games, which would have been his best season since his rookie year when he won the Calder and had 85 points, which was, by the way, the year before the Lou Lamorello Barry Trotz arrival and the change in system from the Doug Waite wide open way to play to the current way to play. Barzal, I think, got better in one important area. We know that Barzi tends to skate. He's an elite skater, but sometimes he holds on to the puck a little too long and doesn't do anything with it, and it results in a turnover. I think we saw that less this year. He went from a minus 15 in 2021-2022 to a plus 5 this year. That was definitely encouraging. And he had 19 points on the power play, 4 goals, 15 assists. But still, I mean, that is an area he needs to improve upon. And the whole team needs to revamp the way they work the power play. 254 shots attempted by Barzi in 58 games. The year before, he had two fewer shot attempts in 15 more games. So at least Barzi is shooting the puck more frequently. And shots on goal, well, 139 as compared to 161 the previous year. So he's shooting more but he's not necessarily getting those pucks on ice. Barzal blocked 34 shots. That is double his total from a year ago. Again, in fewer games, 25 hits. But look, we're not paying Matthew Barzal to crash bodies. He's just not going to play that style. So I think overall, Barzal had a solid season. Boy, is it important for this hockey team to keep him healthy if only because of the lack of depth behind him as far as not having other players who have his speed and who have his ability to set up teammates with solid passes the way he does. So I I think that's an important factor for, you know, Matthew Barzal. He is going to be back on the first line. Whether or not he's teamed with Bo Horvat again remains to be seen, but I think that will likely be the first option that the Islanders want to go to. And I, I think the other big question is, does Barzi end up 
back at center or on the wing. I think there are advantages to both. And I think the key with Barzal, he's not a great face-off guy, so I don't want him taking face-offs necessarily anyway. But I think the key is, who does he have the best chemistry with? And if you find the answer to that, you put him in the spot that makes the most sense based on that information. So as far as I'm concerned, Barzal just signed that massive extension. He is... You know, still young enough that you could consider him entering his prime now. He just turned 26 last week. And, you know, the next five years are going to be the best. Uh, Statistically, if you project it, they should be the best of Matthew Barzal's career. To me, his goal for this coming year, top 20 goals and top a point per game You do that, if it's 20 goals and 62 assists, I'll take that in a heartbeat. And I I think there is still upside for Matthew Barzal. The contract, $9.15 million. So it's not cheap to keep Barzy on the island, but I, I, I think he still remains the centerpiece of this team's offensive attack and probably will for at least the next couple of years. Time now for our Islanders' birthday of the day. And yesterday, Monday, was the 60th birthday of former Islanders center Claude Loisel. The native of Ottawa, Ontario, a second-round pick of the Red Wings back in 1981, made his debut with Detroit in 81-82, scored his first NHL goal in just four games, and later played for the New Jersey Devils, the Quebec Nordique, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then closed out his career with parts of three seasons with the Islanders, 91-92, 92-93, and then 93-94. Played in 18 playoff games during that magic playoff run in 1993. And we go back and look at one of his better games as an Islander. He is really a checking forward more than anything else. Uh, 616 games, 92 goals, 209 points in his NHL career. Add 41 playoff games, uh, 4 goals, 15 points, and 62 penalty minutes in those. His better game as an Islander, one of them, well, we go back to November 28th, 1992. At the old barn, the Nassau Coliseum, flyers in with Stefan Beauregard in goal. The Islanders counter with Glenn Healy. And for Claude Loisel in this game, a goal, an assist, five shots on goal, which in this case tied him with a bunch of other players for the lead in this game as the Islanders crushed the Philadelphia Flyers in a fight-filled game. Final score in that one was 9-3. So Claude Loisel, a solid two-way checking forward, is our Islanders' birthday of the day. I want to thank everyone again for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We're going to start looking ahead to the draft. I know the Islanders uh, don't have a first-round pick, but we're going to look at some players they may be able to take in the second round, and we continue our player-by-player look at this team 
with Adam Pellick. What was his season like? Did he meet expectations? And what can we expect from him in the future? So make sure you join us for that. Until then, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And of course, let's go Islanders.